0: I want to tell you about Damar Hamlin. Damar Hamlin grew up in Pittsburgh in a neighborhood called McKee's Rocks. It's a rough neighborhood. He told a Buffalo area reporter that he had lost multiple friends to gun violence before turning 20. His family life was unsettled as well. When Hamlin was 12, his father was put in prison for a drug offense. He would be gone for three and a half years. But Hamlin pushed through all that, in part, Thanks to his love of football. New running back in
1: the game, but Newman throws it He's oh! and picked. Incredible reaction from Devar Hamlin.
0: He overcame multiple surgeries to become a standout defensive back at his hometown college pit. Hamlin then set his sights on the NFL and was drafted in the sixth round by the Buffalo Bills in 2021. But before he even got there, he started giving back. In 2020, he set up a GoFundMe to raise money for children's toys, saying he wanted to use his platform to positively impact the community that raised him.
1: We've got more in our breaking news tonight, and it is so shocking to see. If you have seen the footage that has been played of DeMar Hamlin collapsing during tonight's Buffalo Bills-Cincinnati Bengals game... it is.
0: By now, you probably know that DeMar Hamlin collapsed last Monday night following a routine tackle in a game against the Cincinnati Bengals after suffering cardiac arrest. The Bills say Hamlin's heartbeat had to be restored right there on the field. CPR was administered, and he was whisked away in an ambulance to the hospital. The game did not continue. And after it happened, nobody really wanted to talk about the game or the NFL playoff standings. They wanted to talk about DeMar. I mean, he's charismatic. he's, He's super caring. He... Is always looking out
1: for others.
0: So many people who know the 24-year-old teammates, former coaches, family members, made it a point when talking to CNN to mention just how selfless he is.
1: The more was key in reaching across lines to anybody, always willing to help a lesser student, a lesser athlete.
0: And that selflessness appears to go both ways. Remember that fundraiser I mentioned? Its initial goal was $2,500. Within hours after Hamlin's injury, it had topped more than $3 million. By Thursday morning, it had blown past $7 million, and it's still growing. Then we got some really encouraging news. It's not only that the lights are on, we know that he's home. On Thursday afternoon, his doctors at University of Cincinnati Health came out and said Hamlin had made substantial progress. Still critically ill, with a long road to recovery ahead, but well enough to be moving his hands and feet and even communicating by writing on a clipboard. Last night, he was able to um, emerge and uh, follow commands uh, and even ask uh, who had won the game. That's right. He asked who won the game. Just days after being resuscitated on the field, he was still thinking about his team. Of course, Dr. Timothy Pritz wasn't focused on football, but his team still had an answer for Hamlin. The answer is... Yes, you know, Damari, you won. You've won the game of life. By Friday morning, his breathing tube was removed, and he was able to talk to family and doctors in the room and his Buffalo Bills teammates over FaceTime. My guest this week is CNN sports anchor Coy Wire. He knows the NFL because he actually played in the NFL before joining CNN. We're going to talk about what this moment means for the entire sport, why it was such a big deal that the NFL postponed the game and how players across the league are approaching games this week after seeing one of their own nearly die on the field. From CNN, this is One Thing. I'm David Rind. Koi, I want to start here. You played in the NFL for nine seasons, six of them for the Buffalo Bills, I, myself, never played competitive football. I am a big football fan, but strictly a sit-on-the-couch-and-watch kind of guy. Many of our listeners are probably in the same boat. So can you just take us on the field quickly, You know, put us in the action? How do you describe the speed of the game, what the hits are like? What does playing football at the highest level feel like?
1: It is, for most everyone that I know, uh, a dream come true. And you don't often get to experience that, right? It's so a very privilege to be able to play a game that you love and that you chose as a career path. I had never seen an NFL game in person until I was playing in one, believe that or not. I wow. wanted to save that as a goal. Um, I wanted my first game in person to be one that I was playing in, and I'm sitting here in Buffalo, in front of the stadium, where mm. that dream came true, I ran through the tunnel and I stood on the sidelines for the national anthem, and tears started pouring down my face. And um, it was just so poetic. It was so beautiful, so gratifying. And then it turned into a roller coaster ride that ended with a car crash at the end of every play. <laughs> and I, I said, "Oh yeah, it's still football." <laughs> um, so it is. It is um, a really interesting interesting, and unique game.
0: Right. And so with all of that in mind and all of your experience, take us back to the moment that so many of us saw when Damar Hamlin went down after that tackle. What was your reaction when you first saw it?
1: Well, I was standing watching the game uh, in front of my TV because I I get excited and I can't sit down, but then I was forced to to sit down. Um, When I saw what was happening... I knew that something wasn't right. Um, just you see so many injuries, and you can tell when you can often identify what type of injury it is because you probably had it yourself, but it was clear that this was different than most um, we'd ever seen. Hmm. And it, for me, was very difficult because it opened a lot of mental wounds. I've experienced my own injury of course, I've lost consciousness. I once it was I didn't remember what happened till the next day when I watched game film wow. I've a titanium plate and four screws in my neck. So I remember how scary injuries can be. But those scenes, you know, an ambulance uh, driving onto the field, players huddled around on bended knee, crying, praying. They're very familiar to me. Here we go, second half, Lindell kicking it off. Hickson is the return man for Denver, and he will field it at the goal line. I've been there once in Buffalo and my teammate Kevin Everett in 2007, we were covering a kick. He had a collision and was paralyzed. 15, Hickson meets a quick wall of Buffalo defenders, and he goes down at the 21-yard line. And there's a Bills player face down there, too. And I saw him convulsing on the field.
0: Now the ambulance has made its way out onto the field, too, so... Boy, this is the worst thing you ever want to see anybody have to deal with in a football game.
1: Once when I was at the University of Stanford, uh, my teammate Kerry Carter, who would eventually play in the NFL as well, a player from the University of Washington named Curtis Williams tried to tackle him. He was paralyzed from the neck down. Eighteen months later, he passed away. So all of those emotions came flooding back in. I immediately started to pray myself. I started to think about Tomorrow, I started to think about his family, how scared they they must be, and um, and they are still about you know what happened to their son, that tragic injury.
0: And so, were you surprised the NFL suspended the game? Because I think people who are not NFL fans, it would be like obvious, right? No, duh, when something like that happens. But you know, I think it's important to remember that the NFL during the teeth of the COVID pandemic, played every single game. They move games to different stadiums when, you know, hurricanes or, or bad snow comes in. So what what was your read on all that?
1: Well, it was unprecedented, right? You know, I remember my wife told me uh, back in 2007 when she witnessed Kevin Everett being paralyzed on the field. She, you know, she said, how in the world are we living in a world where a player is tragically paralyzed during a game and minutes later the whistles blow and the game Played on as if nothing happened. You know, she had no sports background. She didn't know about sport culture, and I had to tell her, you know, injuries are part of the game, and when they happen, we, as players, we say our prayers and then move on, and we play on. And again, she couldn't understand why. That's the way it had always been. So I I can't emphasize enough how powerful, beyond measure, it was to make the decision to call that game off in progress. Not only is it unprecedented, but it represents what I think is a paradigm shift that's happening within the NFL in regard to player health and safety. You know, we're not living in a time where players are just disposable, replaceable pieces of meat, essentially.
0: And it looks like Sean McDermott,
1: after talking to Zach Taylor, is gonna pull his team
0: off the field. The game has been
1: temporarily suspended. And, and I won't disclose um, any of the private conversations Sean and I had except for this. When I got over there, uh, the first thing he said was, I need to be at the hospital tomorrow, and I shouldn't be coaching this game. And that so- decision by head coach for the Buffalo Bills, Sean McDermott, and for the Cincinnati Bengals, Zach Taylor, to see the look of trauma and uncertainty on their players' faces, to see those tears, and then for them to, to have... The gall, the gumption, uh, hmm. to say this game shouldn't go on—that was big. I mean, there's going to be a ripple effect uh, from that. That right now we maybe can't quite understand, but the rest of the NFL was watching. College coaches were watching. High school and youth coaches were watching. Parents were watching, and they were. So you seeing, think this is
0: like bigger than the NFL? This this next man up mentality could be shifting here
1: this may be the moment where someday we look back and say that's where it all changed you know whereas before words from the NFL and uh, other places about player safety being important and all the players health this is our number one priority uh, maybe before whereas those words rang hollow not anymore it wasn't just physical health that everyone was concerned about those coaches were concerned about the mental health of the other players who were maybe going to have to do Mm. what had always been done well get back out there, buckle up, tap you on the button, tell you, let's go, we got to play, game must go on. Uh-uh. The game doesn't have to go on. I'm truly blessed that we didn't have to keep playing. There are certain times where humanity is more important than the outcome of a game or a season. In that moment, um, they treated us like people and being treated like as a person that is cared for, it's a beautiful feeling.
0: Where does the NFL go from here then we've we've heard a lot about how they've changed protocol around head injuries this this wasn't a head injury but just as scary does this shift anything in terms of what we see on the field the, the emergency plans all that kind of
1: stuff I think the emergency plan um, proved that it is it is pretty effective they have everything ready from uh, you know an air response team to if someone needs to be flown away um, they're 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 very thorough but if there were any things that could have been better, uh, could happen more rapidly, mm. that could have helped in any way, uh, these are the types of moments where you learn from them. You know, out of the tragedy, you can you can set a new trajectory, right, for what could and maybe should be. Um, and you're right, this wasn't a head injury. Um, those are to a certain degree preventable in certain situations, whether it's through equipment um, modifications or rule changes. Um, This was more of, I think it's generally um, accepted that this was a freak accident and this is something that is not preventable. So in regards to changing the game uh, to prevent that specific type of injury, uh, I think maybe would be tough to do, David.
0: Right. And how do you square that? The Freak nature of something like that happening it could happen in any walk of life versus the inherent dangers of playing football that that we 've seen and and that have been documented over the over the years
1: well you know i, I don 't think that football um, is ever going to be a completely safe sport right no matter how much we try, no matter how good the equipment gets. this is right. one of those career paths, one of these walks in life that people choose um, and and they are they are willing to sacrifice their body, um, to, to perform uh, a passion, something that they, they care about. Right. And football pales in comparison to this. So I don't want to have anyone misunderstand what I'm saying, but there are other career paths, like uh, the the men and women who choose to serve in the armed forces and they sacrifice, they're willing to sacrifice and risk their lives for all of us. Right. There, there are just certain career paths that people choose and they understand inherent risks and in this day and age with all of the education with the concussions and chronic traumatic encephalopathy and the things that can happen and do happen playing this game education has been a big part of the progress that's been made in regards to football and the sport
0: i know you've been in touch with the bills and and how do players on the bills coaches and the rest of the league in general, move on from something like this? You mentioned the meth- mental health aspect, the dramatic nature of seeing something like that happen. How are you able to kind of pick that up and go play games the next week in the playoffs knowing that this occurred?
1: Well, I think part of it is um, for the players, they know injuries are part of the game, and a tragic one has happened. So here in Buffalo, and again, I, in Buffalo, experienced one of my own teammates paralyzed on the field and in those moments athletes they change their mindset about why they're playing the game it's not what they're trying to accomplish um it's it's for whom they're trying to accomplish so these players they change we're we're not playing for me anymore it's not about how many points we score not how many tackles i get hmm. how many receptions i have i'm playing for damar hamlin uh, that as as his dad as as mario uh, mentioned to us that this is what Demar. Um, would have wanted and wants. And um, we owe that. And this is my opinion and my take on it. Uh, We owe that to DeMar and we owe that to his family. I'm playing for his family. I'm playing for these people of Buffalo who look to this team as a glimmer of hope in dire situations. This is a team who has always led through adversity. This is a team who, when the mass shootings, the senseless, racist shootings happened last year here in Buffalo. This team rallied for the community. When the blizzard took the lives of dozens of people here in this city, the players were out helping people shovel and bringing food to people who needed it. And so these players are going to want to rally once again. That's what the Buffalo Bills have done time and time again. We've had some, some very open and honest and deep talks Some unbelievable, uh, it sounds weird, but embraces as men, just hugging somebody and actually leaning into them. There's been a lot of that going around, and you need every bit of it. You you really do. And And if any team can get through something like this on the other side in a strong manner, it's uh, the Buffalo Bills.
0: Mm. Coy, thanks so much for the perspective. Really appreciate it. Thank you, David. One Thing is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Paolo Ortiz and me, David Rind. Matt Dempsey is our production manager. Fez Jamil is our senior producer. Greg Peppers is our supervising producer. And Abby Fentress Swanson is the executive producer of CNN Audio. Special thanks this week to Dan Moriarty. And thanks to you for listening. I see those reviews over on Apple Podcasts. Keep them coming. We'll be back next Sunday. Talk to you then.